Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. I'm Brent Hubbs, along with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. Glad to have you along with us. And again, we thank our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. You can check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate, or check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Guys, let's jump right into it. Rob, let's start with basketball. We'll mix it up a little bit in this podcast. We'll start with basketball. Tennessee needed a road win. They needed a you know a quality win. They had opportunity in front of them in the second half against Auburn when you're up 17 points in Tennessee. Uh, Vescovi gets a terrible foul uh, 90 feet away from the basket, and Tennessee just fell apart for the next seven minutes. As bad of a meltdown as I can remember seeing ever. I mean, it just – it got it got rolling. Tennessee goes on two scoring drought. What one, like almost seven minutes, and another one later on, a little over four minutes. And this is in the last fourteen minutes of the game. I mean, just completely and utterly fell apart. I mean, it, you got a great game from Jordan Bowden. His best, career high twenty eight points, and you just wadded that up and threw it in the trash can. It didn't get you anything. Um, you know, we talked about Viscovi getting in foul trouble, and that was obviously a factor. I mean, they couldn't get it past half court on several occasions when he was on the bench. But John Fulkerson picking up two two fouls before the 17-minute mark. and Not playing the next 17 minutes. Not playing the rest of the first half. I mean, that didn't – obviously, Tennessee had to, you know, had to lead at halftime when we're looking good. But then just – I mean, Fulkerson never got going. On a day where Jordan Bowden gives you 28 points. And, then, I mean, if Fulkerson does anything, pretty much. If Fulkerson gives you 10, hey, you, you, you probably survive and walk out of there with a win. But just, you know – Showed, showed this team's limitations in a lot of ways. I mean, the fact that the fact that we're talking about how much they, you know, losing Viscovi hurt them, kind of just puts a big spotlight on what's wrong. I mean, they, they couldn't afford to miss, you know, play without a kid who's been here for seven weeks. Well, two, and, and that, that spotlights two things. One, that, that spotlights the shortcomings of the roster in general. But the other thing too, and and I don't want to just beat the kid up. It also spotlights how, how much Josiah James struggled. I mean, for a guy who you know, when he came back off the couple of weeks off and gave you a little spark, you felt like there was something there. And then the last two games, it's been not very good. And he was not – I mean, he was bad at, at Auburn in terms of taking care of the basketball. I mean, it looked like – I mean, it, and it looked like he was affected by the environment. I mean, oh, he, absolutely. He, he looked like a he freshman. He looked overwhelmed. He looked like a freshman. And, I mean, and that's another – you know, one of the problems with this roster, your two primary ball handlers are true freshman guards. They, have a, they combined for 11 turnovers. Of, of the 24 Tennessee had on Saturday. That's not you – know. Not what you want, no. is, as, as, is as they with, say. Is with James, is that a freshman wall? Is that the injury? Is that a combination of frustrations of the year not going the way he thought he went? I mean, look, he struggled, but he had a couple of really rudimentary I mean, type turnovers. You know what I'm saying? The, the, guy, one, the, one the guy travels at the half court line. Yeah, a guy just takes the ball from him, which is you gotta know that guy's I mean, there. I, I just think he but then I didn't think he'd rush to get back on defense very good. And I just don't think he was in there. I mean I think Auburn took him out of that game mentally. I mean he he only took two shots right in the game. He was he was completely passive. Um, in addition to the six turnovers, you know, just not aggressive on offense. Just I mean he just he just didn't seem to have it in, in any shape, form or fashion. For him, I mean, I think it's mental. I think he's frustrated because he doesn't feel like he's 100%. But also, I mean, I just think he's been asked to do some things right now that he's just, as a freshman, he's not up to doing. So where's this team at right now? Whew, I think I they're mean, in trouble, man. I mean, you think they're, you think they're mentally that, – that, that, at know, some point, don't you think the losing some of these games see, and the reality setting in of the postseason is going to hit them a little bit square in the I, eyeball? I think so. But I asked Rick that very question on Monday at his press conference, and um, – he said that he didn't. He didn't think so. I mean, he's like he, th- he. 
just the middle makeup. He, he, his point was, and I thought it was interesting, he said, I don't think that this one's going to, quote, unquote, stay with us. If there was one I thought that they were going to hold on to, it was at South Carolina because they controlled that game all the way down to, like, the two-minute mark and, you know, then threw, threw it away. So I, I don't that, – that's the coach's opinion. I personally think with the way the schedule sets up, I mean, I, I'm not sure they win again. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into an 0-5 close. What, what did you think of Rick's comments after the game about not calling a timeout? Obviously, that got I, a lot of discussion. I mean, I told, and, when you blow a 17-point lead with 14 minutes to play, you open yourself up for all kinds of you know, criticism. But, that, I mean, that's, that's been his M.O. forever. I mean, I, you know, I, I let think, them play through it. I think this year's different because you're not letting Grant Williams, Admiral yeah. Schofield, Jordan Bone play through it. You, I mean, I would have called a timeout there. Like I mentioned on the board. But I, I think Tennessee loses that game. No matter what, I mean the, the the momentum was snowballing, and Rick was Rick's been asked about it a couple of different times, and you know his, his he's kind of brushed it off and said you know he had no confidence that they could execute whatever. You yeah, know, we which, drew up which, the timeout. Which that, I think, I think that, that made it worse, right? Well, I think just think that's a bad answer. Yeah, it, look, I if you agree. want to say, hey, I've been, and again, you got to be. I, I get you're trying not to be a smart aleck or whatever. You could you could also come back and say, hey, I've won over seven hundred games. You know what I mean? I I know when to call timeout, or I mean, you know, it's my my ways worked all right. Through the, but 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 to say that to to say that you couldn't execute what you call, you know, that they couldn't execute anything. A, it's not fair to a bunch of kids who were rattled. And B, you're not calling a timeout there to get a bucket. I, I think you're calling a timeout I'm, there to try to get somebody to take a deep I'm with breath. You, but again, 48, 48 hour, hours later, I mean, he was he was asked about it after the game. He was asked yeah. about it on Monday. I mean, he just didn't think that was. And, and a turning point. And clearly, if you go look at his career, everywhere he's been, I mean, this is not – he didn't come to Knoxville and decide to change how he was going to handle momentum moments. I mean, if, whether it's a veteran team or a young team, he's never been one to call a lot of timeouts. He takes those things into the final two minutes, and if he doesn't need them, he takes them and, in the pocket with him into the locker room. to his point, it's a tie game with two minutes left. Yeah. You know? But – but it was a but it was a game you won, you were leading by seventeen points yeah. with seven minutes left in the game oh, too, you know. And so and, and I know you're not defending him. I'm just I, I you know you're. I would have called a timeout. Yeah, and I know you said that. And I, I would have too, particularly with a young team. I, you know, I think each year is different. I don't think that's a mainstay from a philosophy standpoint. It's one of those deals where if I've got a, if I've got some cagey veterans like I had last year, probably let them play through it. You know, more likely to let them play through it. But if I see Josiah James. And he looks like he's got deer in the headlights, you know, and I'm playing gains out there and those freshmen, I'm probably a little more quick to try to get them over there to me and huddle them up and, and see if I can calm them down a little bit more. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, it's bad, you know, bad. I mean, everything, I don't think they're going to make the NCAA no matter what, but everything, that was the first step of doing it. Yeah, get that, them, to, get, to get back on the bubble, to be in the conversation, you had to go, you had to go win that game. Get a quality road. And that would have been a great, would have been their best one of the season, not close. Right. And set you up if you can get them at home again if you can get florida at home you know I, again I, I don't think this team was going to be able to do it but it, it keeps hope alive right and i, I just i just don't see it. i i i think an it bit's kind of unlikely all right point. so you got arkansas next on the deal where where, where are they at with joe i mean they got him back struggling. got him back and he was dropping bombs on saturday yeah so, so that's that changes the outlook of them they're a very different team than what they were they can spring in knoxville tennessee will have some Advantages, I think you know Fulkerson will be good inside. The, the combination of him and Hughes, assuming John gets it back, but Arkansas spread the floor, and this is not going to. I, I I don't think there's going to be a game where Tennessee's going to be able to score the 60s and win. And they've had a hard time winning games where they couldn't slop it up. 
You know, Rob a minute ago said he, he can see them not winning again. I mean, you said on TV Sunday night you thought they were going to lose out. I mean, the, the point is that his theory, while some are going to scoff at that, you know, Arkansas is going to be a tough place to play. As you, you, you just said, they got they're the really good shooter back. Bud Walton's a tough place to play. Two, if you don't beat Florida at home, that means you have dropped both going to Kentucky, and you know, the, it's not a good shot there. And then if you lost three in a row playing Auburn at home. And Auburn's going to have – Plenty to play for. So, I mean, to me, that, that Florida weekend. game, the Florida Ten- game is massive. Tennessee's going to have nothing to play for. Yeah. But see, but Florida, just to get to the NIT. Just but and Florida's NIT. plan to stay in that, you know, 8-9 seed to not I, drop below the, uh, you know, the bubble themselves. Florida, Florida could win at Kentucky on Saturday. Easily. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a one-possession game in the final four minutes. I mean, I think they ended up losing about, you know, six or seven. But, they, I mean, they were right there and had been playing, I think, as good as anybody in the SEC for the last three weeks. I mean, they're finally looking – like they figured some things out. They finally realized Blackshear is pretty good. Yeah, well, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, Florida's going to—they've got something to play for because they're trying to stay. And they're better than Tennessee, right? And they're trying to stay in that eight-nine game, or, or you know, work themselves up with a tournament run in the conference tournament. Kentucky's looking to continue to improve their seating, right? Because everybody in front of them keeps losing, and then you know, Auburn's still got his—you know—they're they're playing for positioning as well. When sure. you look at where that thing's at, two through five in the SEC. Auburn's going to come in here that Saturday and probably be playing. For the second seed, for this, yeah, I mean to, 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 to avoid not seeing Kentucky until Sunday, yeah. You plus, know. plus improve their NCAA seeding. So yeah, I mean they, they've got a lot to play for. So um, how this team responds um, will, will be um, kind of fascinating to watch. It, it, do they do they still have it in the tank or are they kind of out of gas? I mean, I, I don't think there's they're going to quit or, or lay down. I, I mean, I just think that this it's like a team that, especially on the road like Saturday at Auburn. I mean that team's not. Not going to go into rough and be very competitive. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think you know Arkansas is not. I mean, it's they're not a juggernaut by any means, but they're tough at home. They got their dude back, and Arkansas still think. I mean, despite I mean they're five and nine in the league, but they're seventeen and ten overall. They're going to think they got a chance to make make a run at the tournament. Sure, I kind of doubt that, but well, close but they, out with yeah. four, four straight wins. Well, yeah. they've got. A, don't they have a win over at Indiana? Don't they have a couple of quality pre-conference yeah, wins? They were. I mean, they were great in the non-conference. So yeah. I mean, they've got four games left. And, yeah. And they're thinking if they get to 21 wins, they can make going a case for themselves. They're on the bubble. Yeah. Um, so plenty to play for there. What does Tennessee have to play for? How how does Tennessee play? Does can Bowden continue? He certainly looked like he was. Man, in man, and that's one of the things I hate about this game because everybody had. I mean, everybody's I mean, rode that kid for weeks. Yeah, and some of it's justifiable. I mean, but but then he finally snaps out of it with a fantastic game on the road. He's the best player on the floor. Didn't even and play no, there. And it's not even really a storyline because of. Yeah, because they blew the lead. I mean, but he, yeah, he was. He was terrific because it was, it wasn't just, you know, he hunted his shot in the right spots. You know, it, it wasn't that he just settled for a got bunch of threes, line, but he got range. to the free throw line. Been, I mean, he looked like the guy that you thought he was going to be and anticipated him being uh, all season long. But, you know, that effort goes for not as Tennessee could not close it out on the road against Auburn. Now they take to the road against Arkansas. We'll see what happens with the Volunteers on Wednesday night. We'll continue to cover uh, plenty with this basketball team. Uh, Moving forward is, uh, again, can they finish and how they finish will be interesting to watch. February in football has become a bizarre month. I think it's the best way to You know what I mean? You know, with with the recruiting dead period, Winter workouts without footballs, you know, and everything. It's kind of an interesting time 
in the month of February with, with the new calendar and how everything has taken place. Now, it gets cranked back up this weekend. Guys can be on your campus starting on Sunday. Sunday, yeah, right? that's right. And we think Tennessee might have a couple guys swing through on Sunday. Yeah, possibly. I mean, they're going to have that 7-on-7 seven -seven tournament uh, on uh, Saturday in Gatlinburg. And so thus, you know, I think that there's a pretty good chance that some of those guys hang around um, Saturday night, spend the night, and come visit Tennessee on Sunday. So. Um, could be a commitment or two. Could be you know just some guys. Tennessee's got some interest. A commitment in. of two or two guys. Guys who are committed. Guys visiting, are committed. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a commitment or two worth of news on Sunday. Slow yeah, yeah, no, down, people. Nobody's committing. Um, <laughs> want, want to make sure I get that quality, that, that clarification out there. Go ahead. Sorry. You know, but I mean, like the the you know J three M team will be up here. So I mean, turn time. That means Dallin Hayden will be back around. Um, obviously, uh, you know his brother Chase has got a visit set up. Uh, in early April to visit Tennessee, um, so we'll be watching that one. Um, but uh, you know, that's a team that's got you know some guys on it that Tennessee likes, and you know, I think Caden Martin's playing quarterback for that team right now. Tennessee just offered him. Um, you know, we'll see who else makes it in town. Uh, there's the receiver from Alabama that's committed to Tennessee, Mosley. Uh, yeah, Jordan Mosley, who will be up in town as well. All right, let's talk a little bit about quarterback and from a recruiting standpoint. And not that we have it mapped out in terms of what the board looks like, but but what what I mean, you got Cade Martin, who's not in this class that they've offered. Okay, we know we know where Ty Simpson is, so you got a little better feel for the 22. What, what do we make of the 21 class? I mean, well, I mean it's uh, all been about. We've well, all does Miller about Moss Christian, visit this week? I mean, know, I, I would say does Miller Moss is Miller Moss a guy that comes in? On and that's Sunday. the young man from California. That plays for Clawson. I think uh, Tennessee's going to continue to evaluate a lot of guys, and you know, I know we've talked about Christian Valu, but I, I think that you know, I, I'm not. I think they like Christian. I think there are some concerns there. Well, and that I, seems that that that. I mean, we had that kind of in the war room. I think I think it's clear that. Christian is a guy that they like, but have just kind of refused to yet go, to, to go really all off. to go all in on. I mean, they offered the uh, the other kid from Texas. I'm blanking on his name. Let me let me look it up here while we're, while we're uh, spitballing. Um, Kate Salter. You know, they offered him last month. He's a guy, dual threat guy, kind of a shorter uh, quarterback um, than what Tennessee's been recruiting. Lately, but you know, only six one. But he's a guy that Arkansas, Baylor, a lot of other schools are in on. Can Tennessee get him to campus? Obviously, Miller Moss just got a, an offer ten days ago, two weeks ago. He'll be in Tennessee uh, for that seven on seven tournament. D does he have enough interest in playing out of the state of California, where UCLA, USC, all these schools are kind of in on him hard? You know, how 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 interested is he on on leaving that state? And showing some interest in the balls. Obviously, you know he has a, he's known the Clausens I think since he was like seven or eight years old. Um, so we'll see. I mean that the, the, the twenty one board is strange because and we've detailed this I think for the last few months, right? AP that a lot of guys at Tennessee liked, they just were unable to get real traction with. And that, and that's both yeah, I mean, they're still on swaying them up. and and on, you know. The prospects just not having that interest in, in Tennessee, and sometimes it's an every other year thing. The fact that Harrison, five star, comes in, you does know, that hurt them in twenty one? I don't know because every every year, like I mean, that's not like you see what Alabama and Clemson are doing. I mean, right. they're getting the 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 five stars to kind of line up behind each other. So, but Tennessee went after you know Eli Stowers, and, and they're still they, swinging they, there, and 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 have had some dialogue with him. I'm sure. I, but, I think they I, honestly, the way I feel about it, they got a better chance of flipping Eli Stowers from Texas. Than Drake May than they do of Drake May. Well, yes. you and I are in agreement that how many phone calls 
to Drake May, you know, that until, until he actually shows up on campus, I just, I just don't believe it. Yeah, so. I mean, dialogue, I mean, at some point the dialogue has to become real. I mean, and, 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 and real reciprocated. Being, yeah, real being a Well, it's one thing for him to campus. take your phone calls, but, I mean, you know, he's got to come back to That's campus. what I'm saying. I mean, the, 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 I mean, anybody can take a phone call or swap text, but, I mean, at some point it has to. He's got to get on your campus, and it's got to be a real to, to make it, you know, legitimate and real, you got to get those guys back on your campus. I just find it interesting that as fast as we know quarterbacks come off the board, you know, and, and it's you got to be early, 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 Tennessee still seems to be very much in an evaluation mode when it comes to the class of 2021 in the quarterback ranks. Now, part of that I get, the guys that they liked early, they didn't get traction on. They, they You know, the May. And are and, now committed and, elsewhere. You know, committed elsewhere. Danny Griff and some uh, others. But, but it's – you know, it's kind of interesting that they're. Which means you better be locking down Ty Simpson in twenty-two. Well, and right and, now. and you wonder, you wonder if, uh, you know, I, I don't think the Harrison deal is scaring and is really scaring people off because I mean, these quarterbacks are looking for the best opportunities to come in and play. But There's I do wonder if I do room. wonder if the depth of that room. Now you know that one of those guys is not going to be here, no matter what, because Jared's a senior. Uh, but that is, I mean, and we'll discuss this kind of, you know, as we get into spring and, you know, teasing it as, as a little primer piece, you know, how does Tennessee manage this this quarterback room this spring? That's going to be a fascinating – I don't think it's going to look the same on, you know, March 8th as it does on May 8th, uh, but you got to get to May 8th. And so that that's a long time, you know, between – even though it's, quote-unquote, that'll be here before you know it, that's – you got to manage those two months. Yeah, and both both for the team, and then how does that kind of you know trickle down to recruiting? Right, how does that affect you in recruiting? Yeah, just yeah, from the, I mean, you get three guys that are sophomores or younger. I mean, that's well, and you four. Wonder, excuse me, four yeah, guys. You wonder too if they're hearing a, if some kids are hearing a little bit of or the kids. I mean, the one thing you know about the quarterback positions, all those guys, the, the day of you know where Peyton Manning and Brandon Stewart didn't really know each other when they signed, they hadn't seen each other, didn't know each other's game. You know, that's a different era. I mean, everybody knows who everybody is, not only in their own class, but who's ahead of them and who's behind them. So maybe there's some quarterbacks out there who see, okay, they had Harrison Bailey in this last class, and they know Ty Simpson's in the class behind them. You know, not that he's in the boat, but you know that I think the feeling for most people out there is that Ty Simpson's a priority for Tennessee in the in the 22 class. Does that affect a guy looking at, you know, from a depth chart, where do I? Am I going to get recruited over, so to speak, right out of the gate? Because you know, this is a guy that they're in, you know that they're enamored with, and they've already offered also the Martin kid, you know, and, and that sure. type of thing working. Against but you. on the on the flip side, though, you, one could say, come again, hypothetically, May eighth, two guys are not in this room anymore, and you're looking at it as like, all right, the likelihood is J G is going to start and play in twenty twenty. Can I come in and compete with Harrison? And it's just you know mano y mano. And and I think most of us agree that a lot of these, most kids in in, in anyways, but quarterbacks particularly think that they can beat out anybody. Especially if you're <laughs> going to be a if you're going to be a midterm enrollee, which most of the top end quarterbacks are. Yeah, and if and if you feel like you're Jim Chaney's guy. Well, and also I mean if you're going to go, I mean not that Tennessee's on this level, but I mean if you're looking at Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, I mean you're going to be competing against a dude every year. I mean there's not. You know, these guys are bringing in, you know, top top 100 guys every single season. Right. There's no shoe in. I mean, you're going to have to compete if you're a quarterback unless you just want to go to Vanderbilt. Well, and then again, I mean, with the transfer stuff out there, and if that continues to grow, 
Huge. All these kids know it's going to take care of itself. Anyway. Come here for a year. You know, come for a year. If, if it's it not the fit for me, I can bolt. Doesn't work out. I can I'll, head somewhere else. I'll go back home. You know, because I, I don't. Don't we agree? And maybe you guys don't agree that with only one with only one ball to play with, that the most likely transfer position, particularly the, the, the position likely to use the new rule if it goes into a play more than anywhere else, is the quarterback. Well, they're already spot. used it. Right, and I, mean, I think like, I think it's only going to get enhanced yeah, totally. at this point in time. No question. And yep. I think it also makes recruiting easier for, for what, because of what you just said. I mean, you can say, you know, so, yeah, I know we've got Harrison Bailey. Come on, you know, come on in, see if, you, you know, see if we're a good fit, see if, you know, see how the competition goes. If you don't like it, you know, go back to whatever your, your second choice was. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think no those harm, guys, no foul. I think those guys are going to be moving. I mean, they always move around, but I think they're really going to be moving around, moving forward. Hey, let me tell you a little bit about Blue Water Climate Control, where you get your comfort today. When your system breaks, you want a company that will be there fast and do the right repair the right way the first time. Blue Water responds to more than 90% of their calls the same day that they are received. Blue Water offers 24-hour service, and all their technicians are trained and certified. Call 865-299-2290 today. Mention VolQuest, and you'll get your diagnostic for free with repairs. That's 865-299-2290. You can check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate, or check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. All right, I talked about quarterbacks. What else in recruiting as Tennessee gets cranked back up, we know this junior day is coming. What is, what's the priority for Tennessee? Is it in-state? Is it the North Carolina kids? Oh, it's, it's, I think it's the, both. The, the, all the, the priority is always going to be in-state. Right. Uh, but outside of that, I think it is the North Carolina kids. And then guys they have good shots with, guys like Trinity Bale, who have, you know, you've established yourself with uh, to, a, you know, a, I think a pretty good degree. Um, you know, I don't know about what you feel about, Jesse, but, I mean, I feel like this North Carolina class, you know, Tennessee's in a good spot with some of them, but they've got to also, you know, continue to put the pedal down, you know, because there's going to be a lot of top-end programs in that state, you know, battling it out for those kids. Yeah, I mean, does Dillsworth come back to campus? I know Ritzy's planning on coming here. I think the Vols are going to – I think they can ill afford to just move on from a guy like Washington. I mean, they, 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 they got to continue to recruit Isaac Washington hard because – as he told you in his commitment interview, he seems to know a heck of a lot of these kids in North Carolina. And so the domino effect of that, I mean, again, I'm not, I don't think you can ever overplay uh, or you shouldn't overplay um, some of these, you know, guys wanting to play with their buddies or whatever. It, 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 ultimately, guys are going to make the best decisions for them and their family. But those connections, certainly out of state, can help. Well, they create comfort levels, yeah. you know, which which helps you decide what's best for you and your family. Let me ask this. I do think Tennessee, I would say, and the number one kid from the Carolinas, they got to get on campus in the next couple of weeks is Peyton Page. If they don't get it, to me, if they don't get Page on campus, they, they can kiss that one. Goodbye. Yeah, he's going to Clemson if, if they don't get him to campus. It, I agree it, with that. I, I, the goal is to have him here the March 7th weekend. It you is, know, and that's kind of what he's – you know, reciprocated that the, that thought process is the pro, is it is it more about geography, what areas guys come from for for Tennessee, or is it a bigger deal that they get defensive linemen and edge guys on campus? A because edge guys is a priority, but also B because you've got two new position coaches there for those guys that 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 these guys don't have relationships with. So you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Jimmy Brumball's coming from Colorado. He's probably not been calling a lot of kids in North Carolina. Shelton Felton's been recruiting for Akron. He's probably not been calling a lot of kids that is on his board at his position. Is it a bigger deal to get those positions in than it is in you know guys from a particular region? 
Yeah, I think it's it's huge to get Jimmy and, and Shelton and those guys around these guys you want. Um, you know, I mean, when I talked to Ritzy this weekend, he, he's like, I really like Coach Brumball, but he goes, you know, we're just now starting to build a relationship. So you're starting from scratch. I mean, you know, we, we saw the comments from Isaac Washington. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to say that, you know, Tracy Rocker and, and those guys like, you know, poison Tennessee against Isaac Washington, but at the same time, you know, I mean, he was pretty adamant they lost these two guys. Those were the two guys that called me and sure. you now back on the market. You know, he yeah. goes. Yeah. If you really like the school, shouldn't Tennessee still be one of the schools you're heavily interested in? Now, the interview you did with Adam Friedman, I mean, it sounded like Tennessee wasn't even in the mix. Uh, you know, but Tennessee's a school that still calls this kid. So, you know, in my mind. Well, Washington says he likes Jeremy, he likes Jeremy Pruitt, too. I mean, I, I think... I think you can get there and get yourself back in. I'm not saying you're going to get him, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think, while right now he's done with Tennessee, I don't think that's a door slam that, that Tennessee could never, you know, have a position well, to get him get back him, on to campus. To me, they've got to get him back over here. And he, that's, and that's, and that's he, a deal, too, where it's much more, I agree, they've got to get him back on campus. You see this with, with like, uh, kids backing off or, or having concerns. The out-of-state kids are the ones that most – Having those relationships with their position coaches or area recruiters are most important, and he lost, and that's what he lost. Right. And so it, it, it's not surprising that you know he felt some trepidation there. Well, and that's one of the big reasons why you know I won't say Tennessee's ascending for Javari Ridsey, but Tennessee is, is is at least I think a, a team that's in the mix along with Georgia and several other schools for the kid is the fact that you know they are really like. The whole staff's recruiting Ritzy. I mean, he's talking to Jay Graham. He's talking to Brumbaugh. He's talking right. to, to Jeremy. He's talking. I mean, he's talking to all these guys. And so I think it's the combination of how you recruit a kid as well. Yeah, the position coach is nice, but you know when you show them constant love from all these different angles, you know I think it's, it's a real. Yeah, I just call. think you got to get those guys on campus I, I to meet th- your I position think, coach. I th- it's not going to. Ha- it won't happen in early March. But does he come back for a spring practice or? Does he come back for the orange and white game? I think one guy to really keep an eye on is Damian Robinson because I think Tennessee I think felt pretty. Pos- I think Tennessee feels like they're pretty good there, but that's a kid whose stock is starting to soar, and more and more programs are calling him. More and more big teams are getting in on him. Uh, I just think that 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 that's going to be one that if Tennessee can get him early, that'd be fantastic for the Vols. But if they don't, that's going to be one that's going to be a dogfight till the end. Well, and I think even I, th- I think it's going to be a dogfight anyway. His tape, but his you're tape's right. ridiculous. Yeah, and now people are seeing that, and and you know he's starting to visit. He's got plans to visit, I think, Ohio State and Georgia, and I don't know if it's Clemson or there's one other one other school that's out, maybe Penn State. Right. But I, but it's you know he's got some visits lined up that then uh, you know. T- I think it would behoove Tennessee to, to get well, him and back. And you mentioned this in the you mentioned this in the chat too. Somebody asked you about of the new of the new coaches, you know, kind of big impact guys. And, and you mentioned Osavat in, in, in you know in light of rec- in, in that's from a big recruiting one for him. Yeah, th- I mean, that's his he's, tie. He's done a really good job with that one. The the JUCO corner that Tennessee offered first that really nobody knew who it was. He's now got Alabama, and he's got all these big-time yeah. offers Georgia, coming A&M, in. Penn State. Uh, I mean, I, I give Joe Osavet some credit. He Even before he got the job full-time, and, and before he even knew he was a factor, when he was a quality control he guy, hard. he was really working, you know, and working a list and, and getting guys going. He, he got Tennessee in the door on some kids up that way early, where, quite frankly, Rob, Tennessee's not been a huge factor 
in recent years. Now, they've got some New Jersey success in their history, but Pennsylvania is not an area where Tennessee's just gone in and done well, and, and Maryland player here and there, but it's not like they blanketed recruiting those recruited those states the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, I can remember. I mean, they used to have some New Jersey flavor. I mean, all Rashad Baker, Turk McBride. Well, when they had they had Al Rotella, and, and Al Rotella is a long t- was a longtime Tennessee fan. Jamie, his son, played at Tennessee. New Jersey guys, and that was Tennessee's tie going back into the 80s and early 90s. That was their tie into New Jersey that helped them get established, I mean, and they carried some of those ties into the never 2000s. Never pipeline, but right? Obviously, but, if you could pop in there and get a, a guy like a Turk McBride every two or three years, right. that, that helps. Yeah. Like, helps here, this is this is totally an aside, but Tennessee notably first two recruiting classes under Pruitt signed m- multiple junior college kids. This last cycle, zero. But I do think you're going to see them try to attack some at these spots that I identified in the quote needs area, cornerback, potentially outside linebacker. You know, if you don't land some of your uh, or don't feel like you're having enough traction with some of these prep guys, do you go after a couple of JUCO guys that can come in here and, and do what, you know, even what Darrell did last year in terms of playing, you know, uh, don't, uh, don't significance sh- now? Man, I mean, speaking of JUCO guys, I mean, this is – Water under the bridge. You imagine how much different this last class would have looked if they could have held on to Jordan Davis and Ojolari. Well, Ojolari was not a JUCO guy, right? No, no, no. But Jordan, I mean, oh, you're talking I, about I, as many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. In, in, in terms sure. of needs, I, I, yeah, no question. I mean, losing BJ was a was a big deal in this class. I mean, that that would hurt. Do, do you think JUCO makes some more sense now because your roster is more established and and you're instead of getting a bunch of JUCO guys to come in and fill spots. Now you're plugging a specific need with a JUCO guy. You know, two-year gap here, one-year gap here. Guys a little bit more established physically should be able to step in and play. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's You it's can in, be a little more selective it's in the same. It's in the same, you know, phylum, I guess you could say, as, you know, my, my whole case for that you should save two spots every year for grad transfers. Yeah. It's guys that you believe you can plug and play. And I think now the danger is signing a kid. We'll see what happens with him as a senior. The danger is signing a kid like Savion Williams, where you just ate a spot. Yeah, but they've also. I mean, I think they 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 hit with Darrell Middleton. They hit with. I mean, DWA no, they, didn't live up to hype, but he's was you know he was he a snappy. He was a serviceable player. I mean, I guess my point. They did a much better job at identifying guys who could help them. The previous staff did. I mean, that was a yeah, yeah. I mean, that, you know, there they're getting some, some brutal con- JUCO. They're signings. getting get some contribution out of the JUCO signing ranks. That you know, maybe maybe it's not all world, but they but they are getting. Kenneth George some, has, has been pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I George has played some. He'll be the number. Snaps. He'll be the I mean, number three taking, corner this um, year. Golly, some guys who can't get on the field at all. Don There's Davis a couple Blair, there. Dontavious Blair. <laughs> yeah, who, who the, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the defensive back. It was actually. Had a, a three had three years to play. Oh, yeah, kid from kid from Oklahoma, um, I, I, or Kansas or Oklahoma. I know you're talking about the and the other than Alvin, kid. who was not everybody true, knew Alvin you know, was like Cam Newton. Yeah, he wasn't like a true he went JUCO, JUCO guy, but he didn't. Have he room. wasn't a yeah. JUCO hit gym. Right. I think Alvin. I mean, they they got virtually nothing. Yeah, they didn't get a lot of impact there. Speaking of tight end, Shaq Wiggins. Shaq, that was a, that was a, that was a grand transfer, I know. wasn't it? <laughs> Um, worked out well, right? Uh, speaking of, you, he mentioned, Rob mentioned uh, DWA and tight ends, and, and you're going to have a piece on this a little bit later today, Jesse, in terms of kind of a pre-spring two-deep depth chart, what it might look like, and, and we know that all can change a little bit. Um, 
Without giving everything away, what's your biggest takeaway from looking at this team in the two deep on the offensive side? Well, the offensive line, I think, as as everyone expects, even without Wanye, it's going to be a strength. I think the guard spots are going to have, you know, Trey's penciled in, is cemented as the left guard. But, you know, who kind of earns that number two role behind him? Does, you know, Akparigany uh, have a chance to, to kind of carve out a backup role? Um, you got some vets like uh, Riley Locklear, you know, right there. Right guard, what happens? Is Cade eligible? Is Cade not eligible? There, you know, you, there's kind of door A and door B. If Cade is eligible, I think the expectation is he gets that spot. If not, it's, it's Jerome Carvin with the kind of the, the Lockleers and the guys behind him. And so I think that's uh, notable and understandable. Huge spring for uh, Jameer Johnson because you don't have Wanye. So can Jameer, you know, really – uh, fight it out there at left tackle. But then the most glaring, just easily thing, aside from the the just sheer amount of bodies at, at in the quarterback room and how they sort that out in terms of reps, is what the heck they're going to do at tight end. Because while it's an easy po- position to dismiss, the amount of 12 personnel that Jim Chaney used last year was over 50-some-odd percent, uh, according to PFF, which that's a lot. And then... That does, that's just that's playing two tight ends, not just so one. You're accounting for Austin Pope to stay healthy the whole season, which he barely managed last year for the first time in his career. I mean, he did and play two, with a partially torn yeah, hamstring. And two, who's going to be who's going to be the number two tight end? You know, is is Princeton Fant physical enough to play that role? Uh, is Jacob Warren? Is there a lot of confidence in? Jackson Lowe? Don't, I don't don't think so. Sean Brown. I mean, don't you think for those two guys, it's it's, I mean, it's go time now for, for Sean. I mean, I'm not saying your career's over if you don't play, but, I mean, you're a, you're, you're a redshirt freshman. The, the window is wide open for and you. And there's a position, go, of, and, and there's an opportunity. Oh, there's, I mean, like, the door has never been more open for a group of guys. You're right. It's, it, not to chain react, the career's not over if they don't play this year. But at the same time, you're probably never going to have a greater opportunity with the depth and, and the quality and just, I mean – it's true. I think Sean Brown is the guy coming off this this offseason surgery that, you know, needs to have a big spring. You know, to me, he, he needs to be able to, you know, take a real big step. Um, I like I, – I, there's some quiet optimism about Princeton Fant. Now, we'll see. He's still going to prove it. But he's definitely the most athletic guy. But can he be he physical is. enough? Can, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's also – I mean, like, we've heard – And the, stay I, healthy. I mean, Jeremy, like, Jeremy has – spoken praise about Prince and Fant publicly multiple times and yet he still gets yo-yoed between three different positions. Right. He played he was working with wide receiver tight end and and running back for three out of the four different weeks there in the middle of the season a year ago. He's like so, Aaron Beasley. So I mean it's it's and and I put this in, in in the depth chart piece. The thing is there's really two spots available at tight end because the number three tight end a year ago uh, was Andrew Craig, who's, and, and you who's know, not who's, who's you know Wouldn't opted to um, early retire or, or you know kind of move on with his life. So th- th- that that's a position that I think this spring is going to be big for. Running back, you kind of know what you have. I, I think it's Eric Gray, you know Ty Chandler. What happens behind them with with three new bodies entering the mix? Well, uh, what, I mean, where, where's Tim Jordan? Where's, where's Tim Jordan? Where's CFA? Be, you because know. you get you're going to have three. Sign, the whole thing is that the pre I don't with my I don't put the signees that aren't here on it. This is who is here in the right spring now. and how it kind of is going to play out from there. So that, that that's kind of the big takeaways offensively. Uh, Rob, I, I'm putting Austin Pope probably in a bubble for spring. <laughs> 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 that 
that's so true. I mean, I, I, I agree. Mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, seriously. I mean, he I mean would, I, you would I, never in a bizarre think way. It. He's as valuable, was, you know, because there's nothing behind him. I was gonna, he's as important to you as anybody on your offense. You're sprained ankle away from you know finding out what Jacob Warren can give you or Sean Brown or. You know, some, somebody along those lines. And he, he's had he's had a history of shoulder problems and everything else. I just I'm serious. I don't know how much I beat him up in sports well, practice. No, nobody's going to. He is me. what he is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and for, it, that, and for that very reason, though, nobody's going to agree with me on this, and they won't do this. That's why if 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 somehow Cade won his appeal, and you feel pretty good where you are with all your with all your linemen, <laughs> I tell what you call it, Jameer Johnson, just to keep losing the weight. Play him out there on the edge and teach him some tight end. Heck, he's about skinny enough to play it anyway. Let him be. Let him be a jumbo guy. That yeah, could be an interesting thought. I mean, it, look if you if you don't have anything you feel really good about behind Pope and 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 Fant can do some things, but probably not going to be a straight inline guy. I mean, maybe you do go jumbo with six. We saw Jim Cheney try to line up with seven offensive linemen at different points. That, that this would past not, year. That, that, that would certainly be an alternative. I mean, I don't think they're going to ask Jameer to play straight tight. End. No, 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 but no, I do no. think, but, but like in certain sets, just I mean, a, why not? Just a, a, not, just not a six line. Yeah, just a six. He seems like pretty athletic though. That could actually you just, know, release just, out. And, just play a six man line. Yeah. yeah, just as an extra, just as a straight up extra blocker downhill in a run game type deal. Um, you know, you could you could certainly possibly look at that. I mean, I think you're going to have to be creative there is the point. I think that's the point you're making, Austin. Whoever it is, I think Jim Chaney, you can't just plug in necessarily the next guy. I think you're going to have to look at some creativity at the tight end position. And, and, and this is going to be something to watch next season, early in the season. Hypothetically, let's say Fant does earn that number two job, but does Tennessee start really tipping their hand – play calling wise when Fant's on the field versus Pope's on the field mm -hmm. because you know if you think Fant's the better receiver or what have you DWA again wasn't fantastic but did improve from year one to year two as a blocker where you weren't showing your hand you weren't predictive uh and so that does you know that I think that'll be something to watch because if it gets where it, it's obvious where you know if, if 81's on the field they're running it and if Fant's on the field, you know he's going to split out wide, and, and he's JG's safety valve. That becomes a little that becomes uh, a problem for Tennessee's offense. Last last thing here, and then we'll get out the door. We're going to talk about this more in spring practice, certainly. Where does Calvert fit into this offensive line? I think he's got a shot at, at right tackle. Well, especially with I mean, this is a massive. He, he and he and Darnell I think, Wright. I think that's a competition at right tackle. I do, but I mean, one of them is going to be forced to play left tackle this spring. Do you not think? Or they just go play Jameer Johnson over there and say seventy-two and sixty? Well, or seventy-two you, and seventy-four. I, think you got, I, out I mean, right I think tackle. you got to. I would. I would. I would. I'm not a coach, so they're going to do what they want to do. If I if I was coaching Tennessee's offensive line, I would say Jameer works at left tackle, and when Wanye comes back, that's that competition. And at right tackle, you, you have Calvert versus Darnell, and, and may the best man win. Well, when you're fully healthy there, do they crawl, how much do they cross-train this spring you know, with that position? And how much can a guy like Darnell in his second year mentally handle the cross-train thing? With Same thing with Calvert, who's played pretty much right side his whole career, inside at guard or outside at tackle. You know, can you flip flop across the line? You know, I know they like to cross train, but is that two guys that cross training them to the opposite side where everything's opposite hand wise? Is that gonna is that gonna affect them from a development? Because I think I think for Darnell Wright, this spring is huge. Massive. I think it's huge. I mean, I think he was okay as a freshman, survived. 
Well, and, we, played, we, and played the last several games with a bum ankle and over. Right. So can he take the next step? And, and really Calvert really, really came on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and beat season. him out. Yeah, we know that they like his physicality, but can't, the question is can he stay healthy and can he be the consistent, that, this consistent guy that he wants? And if you flip-flop them, does that mess with them? I think that's something that Will Friend, you know, Jim Chaney and, and those guys have to decide. And I, say, I, I would not spring. be surprised if they do cross-train some, mainly because Tennessee, honestly, while the offensive line has a nice collection of bodies, if, if with the uncertainty surrounding Cade, because I think Cade is another guy who could play right tackle, mm-hmm. not left, but could play. I mean, he did play left tackle in, in Georgia's bowl game, but I, I think – That's not home. That's not home. That was out of necessity. He, he could play right tackle. Uh, but it's best inside. If you if you don't know what, know what if you don't know what if you don't know what Cade's situation is, you really only have four tackles that you trust on this roster. I don't think we see them playing Ollie Lane out at tackle. Right. <laughs> you know. So you <laughs> so you got you got Calbert Wright, Morris, and Johnson. So you probably it, it would behoove you to cross train some. But in terms of a sheer competition, I do think I would distill it down to Wright versus Calvert at right tackle. Yeah, I agree with you there 100%. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. For Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price, I'm Brett Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.